Welcome back to this week's episode. On this week's episode, we have Taylor Steele, who joins us from a company called Integrated Real Estate Equities. Now, Taylor has been involved in the real estate industry in a number of capacities for a number of years now, and along with his partners, has built up a really unique opportunity and, well, space in the market. Taylor focuses most of his energy on a few different things, providing different types of equity programs for any investor, could be someone like yourself or I, um, and of course, focusing on real estate as a major part of his portfolio. Now, Taylor's got experience, again, investing in anything from properties and multifamily down in Arizona to different types of properties that you may be more familiar with in Vancouver and surrounding areas. Either way, Taylor's going to explain everything that he does, and I'm sure you're going to absolutely love this episode. Of course, if you are, make sure to give us a thumbs up, a like, a rating, and of course, follow along. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, here we go. We've got Taylor Steele today here with us on the uh, podcast. Happy, actually, I shouldn't say what day of the week it is, Taylor, because I don't want the podcast listeners to know that. But uh, how are you doing today, Taylor? Things are great. It's a beautiful day in the uh, the neighborhood here in North Vancouver, and uh, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. There we go. Beautiful North Vancouver. Awesome spot to be located, and it is a beautiful sunny day, so maybe we'll give that away. Uh, terrible day to be inside, but a great time to be talking to you. Thank you so much for, uh, for connecting with me, Taylor. Now, we talked about this briefly in the introduction as to who you are, but I'm going to make you to give us your your once over on your story and what the heck is uh, Integrated Equities and who are you. So why don't we start with who's Taylor Steele and what the heck do you do, my friend? Awesome. Appreciate you having me on here. Uh, my name is Taylor Steele. Uh, I specialize in the real estate investment space. Uh, I'm a real estate investor myself, and I work at a company called Integrated Equities. Uh, Integrated Equities is an exempt market dealer, or a term you'll hear is the EMD. And this is a brokerage that's set up to offer different private equity uh, real estate investments. So we help busy working professionals invest in real estate. Um, our company has hand-selected six companies that we work with and represent, and we've selected these companies by identifying strong management teams, each with a strong track record and specific investment strategies. So we go out, we find these companies, we research the markets, and we analyze these deals and bring them forward to our clients. So the companies that we work with offer investors in opportunities in apartment buildings, in self-storage, car wash developments, uh, land developments, mortgage funds. Um, offering clients uh, diversification through Canada uh, and also into the United States as well. Awesome, man. Okay, so there's a lot of big words there. We're going to have to break this down because, you know, I, I, even I'm learning all about all these different uh, considerations as we work our way through this. So, Taylor, before we go too far into explaining to someone what is exempt, non-exempt, what does this all mean to them? Uh, I want to understand your story a little bit better. I'd love to know for you particularly, what's what's your background before getting into well, maybe integrated equities and specifically, how did you fall into real estate as an investment? I'd love to know that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think anyone grows up, uh, you know, a young boy thinking they're going to become uh, a real estate investment specialist. Um, for me growing up, my, my childhood dream was to play professional hockey and, and be in the NHL. Uh, and as the years went on, I realized that dream was uh, dwindling. And so uh, it caused me to pivot. And then throughout those years, I experimented with some summer jobs in between universities. So working on a golf course, working in construction, uh, working for an accounting firm, a property management firm. So 
dabbling in different industries. Um, for me personally, real estate is something I've grown up around my entire life. Uh, my father's been in the industry for the last uh, 30 years. Uh, and right out of university, he started with his business partner, Phil Carroll. Uh, and together, they ran and operated a real estate company for over 30 years before he uh, he passed away. And so his son, Phil's son, Austin, was drafted into the NHL by the Calgary Flames. And he was one of my first clients when I started the business in 2015. So it's been cool joining the business and then bringing on someone who's been an investor firsthand and also a longtime family friend. So I would say it's something I've grown up around my entire life, but really started to develop a passion for uh, later on. What's interesting to to hear what you said is that you were exposed to this side of the world from what it appears to be a pretty young age. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of spring breaks down to uh, to Phoenix, and uh, in between, you know, maybe around the golf or sitting by the pool, we'd uh, go drive by a, a multifamily property down there. So, you know, as as a young guy, you know, was exposed to it from an early age, but really started to develop a passion for it when I went to uh, university, went to BCIT, did the marketing management program with a specialization in uh, in entrepreneurship. Very cool. Yes, definitely something that a lot of people cannot say that they were exposed to. So that's really, really neat. Um, well, let's let's kind of fast forward that a little bit. So you had that uh, that backstory of you know the family. Uh, hockey didn't work out. Um, I'm sure you don't feel bad. I don't think that works out for a lot of folks. Um, but you know, having some great relationships or some people in the industry and and friends for that matter. Like, how did I guess? integrated equities come about and where did that conversation start maybe tell me a little bit about you know where where this company was formed and, and what that looked like yeah so graduating bcit in 2015 i did my practicum for cushman and wakefield on the commercial real estate side so we did a big project for them in my last year of university and i got some exposure to that side of the business but i uh, really wanted something where i could you know not be at the bottom of the totem pole but also have some some room for growth here and so in 2015, I started my own real estate brokerage with my business partner, Cynthia Asin. So together, we started our own real estate brokerage called Investment Revenue Realty. So her and I are also both licensed realtors here in BC, uh, helping our clients on the more traditional buy and hold strategy. So uh, working with clients, helping them purchase pre-sale investment properties, and then also working with a, a property manage management company to really provide that sort of passive hands-off ownership. You started off typically with Cynthia and primarily you were working as a real estate agent um, and objectively speaking, no different than any other, I, I guess, real estate agent other than the fact that you were doing focused on just investment properties uh, in the lower mainland. And, and of course, that sounds like it's evolved uh, quite a bit. What is the progression of that evolution looked like for you from IRR to where you're at today? Yeah, so so. Today, we wear two hats. We've got our real estate hat and then also our private equity hat. Um, so in 2019, Cynthia and I got licensed under uh, the Securities Commission. So we're now licensed to sell private equity securities. Um, and so we joined on with a company called Triview Capital in 2019. Uh, and we and then in 2021, we switched our brokerage over from Triview to Integrated Equities. So Integrated Equities is headquartered out of Toronto. That's where our head office is. And we're licensed in Ontario, Saskatchewan, BC, and Alberta. So we help clients from across Canada. We introduce them to these different real estate uh, investment opportunities. Okay, so let's let's break this down because I know we have a lot of listeners on our show that perhaps are relatively new to the real estate investing space. So when you say exempt, non-market exempt, explain that in in uh, maybe a very granular level so that everyone uh, can follow along with that conversation. What exactly are you referring to? What types of investments, and what does that what does that even mean for someone? 
Yeah, so the, the way I describe it is we're, we're similar to what a stockbroker is in the public markets, um, but we're on the private side for real estate. So we go out and we research different private companies with certain projects or opportunities, and we present these to our clients. And so we say, here's the company, here's their investment opportunity, and here's how you can participate. In comparison to the public markets, these private mar investments, similar to the real estate that we hold, we can't just wake up on Tuesday morning and sell 75 or 100% of that, that, that investment. These are considered to be illiquid. So I would say the main difference is, is looking at it is from the liquidity aspect. Um, these, these are generally illiquid investments. Got it. Okay, that makes uh, perfect sense. And thanks for explaining that and breaking that down. Uh, the reason I say that is because I think when you put context in play, it's always easier to understand. But there's just so much to, to think about as it pertains to the overall considerations of all these different types of investments and avenues that people can look at. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, integrated equities and let's let's break down exactly what you know REI is and how it falls into the investment scale of real estate investing. So like. In your mind, if you're explaining this to someone, explain what gap does does this company fill in in regards to the real estate investing market? We're really designed to to help investors build out a, a real estate investment portfolio. And, and generally, when working with clients, maybe they own their own house, maybe an investment property, uh, and they're looking to diversify their their holdings. And whether that's into different real estate asset classes or that's different geographical areas outside of maybe where they work uh, and invest. And so these companies are set up, the minimum investment to participate in some of these deals is $25,000. Um, so you can participate in a multifamily building for as little as $25,000. And these companies are also set up to accept registered funds. So we're speaking with a lot of clients right now that have RSPs, TFSAs that are sitting there earning them a return that they're not happy with. And so when we introduce this, this investment program and, and introduce these companies, uh, generally, people are very surprised and curious to hear that you can invest using your RSPs or your TFSAs into actual real estate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's something that um, I would say pre the last five years, it would be, um, I don't know if reserved for people, wealthy per, wealthier people per se, but definitely reserved for pretty much anybody in the quote unquote no. And it seems to me that that a company like yours and others that are similar to that are really looking to bring these conversations and bring these opportunities to more of the general public and more um, just more people in, in general. Is that fair to suggest or am I missing the, the nail on that one? Yeah, that, that, that's a really great point. And, and I think when, when people hear the word private equity investments, you know, they think of that really sort of ultra high net worth, sophisticated, accredited investor type uh, opportunity. And and for the long period of time, that that was what it was restricted to. Um, you know, they were generally available to someone that's called an accredited investor, which is you either make 200000 a year or you've got a million of liquid assets or your net worth's $5 million. So that benchmark for a lot of people is quite high. And so today, now we can work with both eligible investors and accredited. And an eligible investor is someone who makes over $75,000 a year or who has a net worth of $400,000 or more. So the benchmark has, has definitely been decreased. And this whole sort of private equity investing has been going on for a long period of time and goes on every single day in front of us. Um, we'll use, say, Boza, for example. If Boza is building 100 townhomes out in Langley, they need a certain amount of equity that they need to put into the project. They need to get a pre-sale threshold of a certain amount of units sold before the bank will give them the rest of the money to go and build that project. So if Boza needs $40 million, they'll go around to all of their big partners and their friends and say, 
who's in for this deal and you'll get a million dollars, 5 million, 10 million, and they'll fill up that 40 million that way. Now this model, same model, but it's opening the door up for investors to participate for as little as $25,000. So it really opens up the door to participate in projects that are outside of a lot of people's uh, skill set and, and I would say wheelhouse. And so the following question to this is that typically, like, who are the people that are, I mean, if you were using Bose as an example, and <clears throat> perhaps in, industry connections have allowed them to have access to people with the deep pockets that have a million dollars or $500,000 to throw into a project from that perspective. So, so who are the types of, in, I guess, not investors, but let's say builders and, and developers that are looking for this? Like, why are they coming to look for a firm like yours to represent them? And, and I mean, is there something that they should be, I mean, a, an investor should be nervous about if that's the case, that they don't have access to deep pockets? Or is there another reason that they would be reaching out for these smaller scale investments? Like, what's the, the thought process going in from a developer's perspective? From a developer's perspective, there's there's a couple reasons. I'd say the, the main reason is scalability. Having access to more capital gives you the ability to scale up and take advantage of, of more opportunities. Um, the second thing, which I think is also a really big part of these companies and, and sort of the story that's told is, if you have a deal that goes really well and you have one investor who put in $40 million, he's probably not going to run out and tell 10 people that he had a really good deal. He put in $40 million. Whereas if you've got a thousand investors that all put in $25,000 and that deal does well, then that company now has a thousand people that have something positive to say about that group. So it gives them the ability to get referrals and really expand out their business. And so I would say this first reason is access to, to projects and more capital. And then the second is sort of that, that word of mouth and that, uh, that referral basis. Okay, so with that being the case, would that mean that more of these developers that are looking for the money are, are considered newer firms or, or junior firms in that case? Is that more commonly what you're seeing because they're looking to spread the word or, or maybe that's not the case? You'll find all ends of the spectrum. And, and that's something that we're very selective of at Integrated Equities is the, the groups and the organizations that we work with. Um, you know, there could be a developer who's just getting in the business, getting his feet wet, that's targeting a 25% return on a land development deal. And you could take mm -hmm. a look at another developer that's been in the business for, for 15 years that's offering a 15% return. So you're comparing mm -hmm. sort of that risk reward, the return versus does this developer have the capability of doing this? And being a more junior company, that's when those companies have to start enticing investors with slightly higher returns to sort of compete and differentiate from the more shrewd and tested uh, companies. So as a borrower, I'm looking for opportunities to invest in real estate. I've got twenty-five dollars to $30,000, and I'm looking at someone like you to, to help me make this happen. My big questions that would come up would be something along the lines of, okay, who's responsible for analyzing the actual project? And how are they generating these returns? Is this a combination of the developer and integrated, your firm, to do that and, and providing that? Or does there need to be a more formal audit? Uh, what's the normal process and who's, whose responsibility is that? Yeah, so it, there's there's two layers of due diligence. You're going to have the due diligence on the, the company layer, and then also our firm does an internal uh, deep dive into all of the companies, the management team, their track record, and as well as the the ins and outs of the deal. So for us, there's sort of a due, due diligence sort of checklist that we follow. Uh, the first is selecting the asset class. So understanding what asset class you want to be in. Is that multifamily? Is that self-storage? is that mobile home parks. There's so many different real estate asset classes that we can invest in. So understanding those and, and the market and determining which one you want to participate in. 
and then from there, determining the investment companies. So as mentioned, there's groups that are just getting started and there's groups that have been in the business for 15 plus years. And so then doing a deeper dive into who's running the company. So when you're investing into private equity, you're really as much as you're investing in a project, you're investing in the people that are operating and running the project. And so you want to understand who's the management team, who's behind it, and what kind of track record do they have there in, in the space. Um, once we've done our analysis on the company and the deal, then we do a dive into the market. So it's really understanding the economic fundamentals of that area, uh, job growth, population growth. Um, is there economic activity? Are people moving to that area? Are rents increasing? And then from there, doing a property analysis. So taking a look at sales comparables of rental comparables in the area uh, and running the analysis on all of that. So once we've gone through all of that process, both with the companies themselves and internally, we then bring forward these investment opportunities to our clients. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense then. So uh, let's let's get into some of what these opportunities are. You named a few right off the bat that you've been considering or ones that perhaps uh, you guys have formerly been a part of. Uh, you, you had mentioned self-storage, you had mentioned car wash, you had mentioned uh, multifamily buildings. Um, you know, those are three opportunities of, I'm sure, like a million different ones that are out there. So the multifamily building makes a lot of sense. Tried, true. Uh, there's a lot of different opportunities throughout, whether it's United States or Canada. Uh, the other two are interesting and unique. Um, how do these uh, other unique opportunities come about? And, you know, obviously, what does that, I guess, what does that look like? What does that process look like for you guys to actually go in and, and dig into that? Because, you know, uh, car wash or self-storage, I mean, obviously now I think there's a lot of knowledge of it, but perhaps there wasn't years ago. Definitely. Yeah. So we can touch on the self-storage group. Um, it's, a, it's a local BC company uh, called Nationwide. Uh, they've done five of the self-storage and car wash developments here throughout BC. So uh, Vancouver, Burnaby, Coquitlam, Surrey and Kamloops as well. Uh, so what this group does is they buy pieces of land, they rezone them and then they build either a self-storage, a car wash or a combination of both on that site. So the investors all participate together, say they're raising $15 million, they'll raise $15 million to build, uh, to buy the property and to build the, the, the self-storage and car wash facility. So the investors put up the money right as they're purchasing the land, they take the land through rezoning, they build the car wash and self-storage, and then once that's built, the cash flows from the business operations are distributed to the investors on a monthly basis. And the game plan on that particular property is to sell the whole business and the land between five to seven years. So that's an example of a property where they're buying it, rezoning with the goal to sell between five to seven years. But once mm -hmm. the building is built and cash flow positive, it will pay monthly distributions back uh, to the unit holders up until the point that the, uh, the asset is sold. Understood. Makes sense then. Okay. So, you know, you've, have you guys, I guess you, let me, let me stop here. Going back. I would love to know now that you've had an opportunity to perhaps see some of these uh, car washes or self-storage units uh, go from beginning to end, which I, I think you have now, right? Um, what is what are the results been, and where are they at, and, and where do they stand today? Is that still an opportunity for people, or are you seeing those start to go away? Um, perhaps give us some shed us some light. Yeah, so nationwide, for example, um, they've completed or completed or they have five uh, developments here that are either under construction or have been completed. Uh, they have three facilities that are fully built, uh, completed, and they're leasing up and running the car wash uh, facility. The thing with nationwide is they're the only one of our developers that we have that we work with without a full exit. So they have yet to sell one of the properties. Their earliest one was in 2016. 
Uh, we started working with them in 2020 on their two most recent ones. Uh, and so they're currently raising $20 million to go out and acquire uh, a site. The cities that they like are Langley, uh, Abbotsford, Chilliwack, Nanaimo, and Kelowna. So they're looking out to go and acquire a new site to uh, to build out a uh, self uh, to build out a car wash uh, on that project. Mm, very interesting. So I guess let's I want to circle back a little bit here because uh, like we talked a little bit about on how you analyze these investments and and what that looks like, but we didn't really get into too much depth. Perhaps we can go a little bit deeper on that. You had mentioned in a previous conversation that there's uh, certain ways that you guys do specific research to um, help people understand the specific value of one investment. What types of things do you look for, uh, Taylor, you and Cynthia and the team? What are you looking out for when you're considering whether it is a strong uh, project or development? Um, maybe we can wrap that into a bundle. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the main thing it's important to understand what the client or what their goals and what their objectives are. Um, you know, for me to say a land development deal is the right fit for every sort of investor, it isn't the right scenario. You know, an 80 year old client uh, who, who, you know, is looking for some income to continue to live each month, putting them into a project that's going to be five to seven years till they're getting the majority of that capital back might not be the right right play. So for someone like that, we'd look at sort of more of a, an income style product, one that pays a monthly distribution. So for that sort of investor that's older, that's looking for more monthly income, we would look at a mortgage investment corporation or a mortgage fund. Uh, and so that's a, a group of a money that lends out mortgages. And so that would be something more tailored towards that older investor that's looking for monthly income. Whereas if we've got an investor in their early 30s that's saying, hey, this this money I'm not necessarily looking to get access to for five years, I want to put it in something and I want to target a 20% return over that per year over five years. And so we would look at more of a, a land development style play for that sort of investor. So it's really understanding on what your objectives are, when you'd like to get access to that capital and what sort of return risk profile you're, you're aiming for. Awesome. Well, thanks for clarifying that. So if we were to look at it today, do you guys have a um, an average rate of return that you have as a, as a company or is that something that you can present or is it more based on a mix of different products? Yeah, it's, it's each each group would be specific, um, but happy to highlight sort of one one group and one partner that, that we're really excited about right now. Um, and that's a, a REIT or a real estate investment trust. I'm sure that this term and this jargon has been thrown around. Um, and so we work with a company called Centurion REIT. Uh, and Centurion owns and operates uh, 145 uh, rental apartment buildings here across Canada with almost 20,000 uh, rental units. And so this really provides clients with true diversification across each province and into different buildings. Um, and so they're a firm believer that, you know, Canada wide here, we have extremely low vacancy rates. Uh, it takes a lot of time to permit and build new properties. And Canada has some extremely high immigration targets. And so they believe that rental apartment space here within Canada has a very strong runway here uh, moving forward. Um, so this company has been in business since 2009. Uh, and during that time frame, over an annual period, uh, they've averaged just over 13% per year for their investors since 2009. So kind of mid-teens there for investors. Um, and today they own about $6 billion worth of apartment buildings here across Canada. So for you as an investor, you can invest $25,000 into that REIT. Um, you're diversified across almost 20,000 apartment units. You'll receive your monthly distribution from those apartment units, and as well as you'll receive also the long-term growth uh, on the value of those properties. 
Very cool. Someone's thinking about doing that. What are the biggest risks they need to consider? What are the biggest concerns that someone needs to think about when it comes to these types of investments? So I, I'll draw comparisons directly to a, to an investment property. You know, if you were to go out and buy a, a rental townhome somewhere, your your market risks are no different. You've got your your market risk, you've got your vacancy risk, you've got your tenant risk, you've got your mortgage financing risk. All of those same mechanics come into play. Um, I would say the main risks in terms of private equity and things that we always highlight to our clients is these are illiquid. Um, you can't wake up next week and just sell your investment. Uh, there is illiquidity to it. Uh, and then the second part, like all real estate investments, uh, they can take longer than expected to exit. Market conditions change. You know, a project you were expected to be in for four years could be five and a half. So uh, the main things in taking a look at these risks would be illiquidity uh, and, and projects could take longer. Right. Yeah, that's really helpful to explain to people. I think like a lot of what we're talking about here, when you break it down and you explain it, it seems obviously a lot less scary and a lot less big and daunting. But uh, perhaps one of the primary reasons I see people that are nervous to get into any type of investment, whether it's real estate or otherwise, is just a lack of knowledge. And it sounds like uh, one of the things that you guys focus on is uh, educating and supporting that. Hence, obviously, the podcast that we did together and the fact that you do uh, different events and, and presentations to people. Would you say that that is one of the biggest barriers to, to entry? is just the education or is there something else for most people most people because based on what i'm hearing the average you know income now is seventy thousand dollars or seventy five thousand dollars um the requirement in terms of how much cash you have is lower than it used to be um like what are the is there any other barrier that we're missing or is it typically just understanding and knowledge that people really need to wrap their head around these investments yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, our, our motto is to help busy working professionals invest in real estate. And generally, their profession is not real estate. You know, they specialize in being a doctor or an accountant or what, whatever that may be. And so uh, for us, it's, it's breaking down those barriers, because as you said, this can be intimidating. You know, seeing a company that's got $6 billion worth of apartment buildings, where, where do I fit in with my $25,000 investment? So um, for us, you know, sort of an internal mantra at our team is, uh, we believe education is the key to strategic investing. And so we're huge believers in bringing forward all of the information that we have. Uh, that's the companies, the people behind them, showing them firsthand the, the properties that they're investing in. So uh, the different ways that we like to educate is first through our, our podcast. So my teammate Austin and I started a podcast where we pick the brains of real estate professionals, different realtors, mortgage brokers. So giving market updates to our clients. I know areas that we don't specialize in, we want to make sure that we're getting them that info for the people that, that do. So the podcast is the first way. Uh, the second way is our investment summit. So three times a year, we host these things called the Canadian Real Estate Investment Summit, where we bring in eight speakers. And so these are groups we work with, mortgage brokers, accountants, lawyers, really to help build your, your power team. Uh, and so connecting them right in person, allowing them to meet these groups, shake their hands, ask questions directly. And then the third layer to our sort of uh, educational process is our in-person investor tours. So whether that's over to Victoria, down to Phoenix, we like to take people down there to meet the team, walk the properties uh, and see firsthand the projects that they are, are investing in. 
Awesome, brother. That's a lot, <laughs> a lot of good stuff. And I mean, I think the cool thing is obviously uh, our our interests, uh, myself and and you guys, obviously align very much because my focus, uh, personally and professionally, has always been to try and educate more people. And in my situation, talking to people like you and many others, I get the opportunity to just learn and realize what opportunities are out there. And so it just shows that there's so many people out there that are willing to share the knowledge. You just have to reach out and ask the questions, right? And look for the resources. So I love that you guys are doing that. And uh, and and considering obviously looking for more working professionals that want to diversify and find those different funds. So, I mean, aside from, you know, the dreams of, of uh, being a hockey player, I'm sure you're still thinking about that. The Canucks could obviously use somebody right now. Um, I, I guess there's different areas of the country we could probably talk to, but yeah, definitely the Canucks. Anyhow, aside from those dreams, you know, Taylor, what's the future look like for, for uh, integrated equities? Where are you planning to go? What is, what does that look like personally, professionally for you guys? Yeah, so you know, we, we joined on and, and uh, partnered up with Integrated Equities at the beginning of the year. So we brought our three teammates over from from Vancouver. They've got their head office and two teammates out of Toronto. And so uh, our goal is to really build out a boutique uh, real estate investment company. Uh, we're focused more on quality versus quantity. Uh, we'd rather work with a select few great investment partners than uh, offer the newest, shiniest, hottest thing in the market. And so. For us, it's really doubling down on the partners that we work with and, and really spreading this message that uh, these opportunities are out there for investors and, and, and continuing to build our business here uh, across Canada. I love that. That's absolutely amazing. Well, you're doing good things. And I know for a fact that after this episode airs, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people reaching out to find out a little bit more about you, Taylor Steele. So work on that Instagram uh, platform or get that stuff out there. <laughs> I'm just bugging you. You'll uh, you'll have some uh, definitely some interested parties that are going to want to learn a little bit more about what you do. So we'll make sure to add uh, the best way to reach Taylor and or his team in the uh, comment section below. Taylor, man, thanks so much for joining us today. A wealth of knowledge and a lot of great information. And of course, I'm excited for your next summit. Can't wait to see how it goes. Grateful for the opportunity to be here. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thank you, sir.